Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Everybody and thanks for joining me here on Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, November 27th. And can you believe it? We're already moved past Thanksgiving. We're moving on toward Christmas. Only a couple of what? Weeks, a few weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Not far away. Now, where I am in California, the weather's pretty nice. As a matter of fact, too nice. We need rain desperately. And we're going to supposedly get it tomorrow night, hopefully. But I know, have you seen the weather in the Midwest? Man, you guys are getting clobbered there. They canceled 2,000 flights. So winter's arrived in that part of the country. And of course, I'm here on the job and always here. We don't have any weather delays or anything like that here. So um, this is all about trying to teach you to become a better investor. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course, I welcome you to Invest Talk. Keep this in mind our commitment is to reason and common sense guidance. That's what our commitment. Reason and common sense. And this will make you a better investor. It will. Now, will it make you a gazillion dollars? No, but it'll make you better. You know, the market is very difficult. It takes a long time to learn all the foibles. And then, even then, they change. Market stresses sometimes grow, sometimes value. Sometimes it trades at higher average PEs than at other times. It's never the same. So it's very, very difficult. This morning, this morning the Dow and the S&P and the NASDAQ all opened up. Uh, well, you know, not, not too bad, about a half a percentage point or so. Apple was down again, driven lower by tariffs, a talk of tariffs, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trump said that he sees no reason why he's not going to uh, attack on 25% January 1st. And, of course, uh, that hurt Apple. Uh, for the first time in eight years, Microsoft has approached or taken over the top spot on market cap. Remember, Apple was the first trillion-dollar market cap, got over a trillion dollars. Now it's about 800000 $800 and so is Microsoft about $800 billion. So maybe Microsoft might be taking the top spot from Apple. Because Apple's having a pretty severe pullback, whereas Microsoft, not so bad. Of course, I'll keep an eye on that. And I'm sure you saw the news this morning. GM is closing factories. I'm going to talk about that in more detail later. But they're closing factories. They'll still keep building cars like the Chevy Blazer in Mexico, but... President Trump was not pleased and openly expressed his displeasure about that. Now, try to remember, GM only survived because the federal government bailed him out of bankruptcy during the financial crisis. Remember that? So, uh, the federal government is is taking the attitude probably, well, wait a minute, you GM, you can't just do what you want to do. We, we saved your, your buns there. I don't know. I, you know, if you gotta, you got to let the free market... Take, take its place sometimes. And I said at the time, I don't think it was a smart idea to bail out GM. But, 
you know, everybody wanted to save those jobs. I think it might have been better to let them file bankruptcy, reorganize, and move on. You know, but that's it then. This is now. Amazon says it had a record single sales day for Cyber Monday yesterday. That's kind of interesting, that article. There's a lot of market news to digest, and there's almost every day. But before I get to any of that, let's take a question from our Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I'm calling in with a question regarding brokered CDs. I wanted to get more information on how they work. Is a brokered CD considered a bond, and what risks are involved in a rising interest environment, and also whether it is better to just go to a, a bank and invest in a CD or a brokered CD, and what it would be the best to do in this kind of environment. Thanks. Bye. Okay, a brokered CD, certificate of deposit versus a BCD that you buy at a bank. A brokered CD is nothing more than a CD offered through a brokerage firm, as opposed to a bank offering a certificate of deposit. What's the difference? Well, you, you want to always make sure the FDIC insured, that's the first thing, FDIC insured uh, is, is something that you really want to make, that's something that you have to protect yourself. Remember, it's a certificate of deposit, one of the safest things that you want, you, you, you can buy. A CD is a CD. It's a, it's a matter of what is the rating and how, uh, over what length of period of time that you want to buy it. Rating meaning what is the interest rate? What's the interest rate they're paying and how length of time that you're going to buy it? It's as simple as that. It's not a bond. It's not, it's not, issued, by, um, it's not issued by a corporation. A broker CD is a CD offered through a brokerage firm. Just got to make sure that the bank is insured. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, pretty simple thing. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So there's all the market. The market was up. The Dow ended up being up, up 108 points. Okay, 108. The NASDAQ up one. And uh, the S&P up nine. So the market was up two days in a row. Whoopee. So, you know, I mean, that's not a bad thing. It struggled today, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But don't get too excited about it. Just don't. Well, we found this new, uh, this article on CNBC.com, uh, and it's pretty interesting. Amazon said it had a, its biggest shopping day ever on Cyber Monday based on a number of items sold. In fact, for the five-day period starting Thanksgiving through Thursday, through Thursday, Amazon customers purchased about, uh, wait a minute, that can't be right. In fact, for the five-day period starting Thanksgiving Thursday, okay, there you go, through Monday. Okay, 180 million items. Okay, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. 180 million items. And to give you some, you know, let's give, to give you a little bit more depth to them. On Thanksgiving Day, shoppers filled their carts and spent $3.7 billion. That is up 28% from last year. 28. Okay. And what was really interesting is the dramatic increase of the use of mobile transactions. Smartphones delivered a 54.4% of the traffic on Thanksgiving Day. Of that $3.7 billion on 
which was 28% higher than the year before, but over 54% of it was from your mobile phone. Now, that wasn't, they, they, they kind of apparently appeared, they bought, you bought smaller things because it only represented about 36% of the revenue for that day. Desktop fell to 36% from 44%. So people buying from the desktop, that fell. It's just telling you that the use of mobile phones is becoming more and more and more ubiquitous out there. That's what everybody's using. Okay. But what is interesting, the desktops might have fell in the amount of shop, the amount of shoppers and transactions, but it still is 52% of the revenue. Probably because it was mostly tablets and gadgets, electronic stuff that bought through the, the desktop, whereas more clothing and that kind of items through your phone. Kind of interesting. So the economy is strong, and we know that that's true uh, right now. Uh, they expect to have about $38 billion online sales between November 1st and November 22nd, and they expect that to be up about 18 19% from last year. Okay, uh, so... You know, it's just telling you more and more and more people are using buying their buying their stuff on online through their mobile devices or your desktop, and that of course is hurting the brick and mortar stores. It's going to be interesting to see those numbers when they come up. So, uh, time to give me a call, everybody. I encourage you to call. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening. And I'm from KPP Financial. That's my company. You can call our Dana Point office in California. Uh, send us a message to investtalk.com. And now I invite you to, to call and ask any financial questions you want directly on the show, 888-99-CHART. Okay, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to thank you for making the program a part of your routine. Justin and I, are, we, we know you have other things you could do, and we hope that this show is instructive and interesting. And whenever you have investment questions, please listen to or you can or I encourage you to listen to our archive podcast. I invite you to investtalk.com. Send me an email. Call us live. You can do any of those things. I'm taking your questions now. 888-99-CHART. It's a fast-paced Tuesday. Steve is here. Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror, and Christmas is only weeks away. So now's a good time to get your questions in. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Vitaly. How you doing? Vitaly in Atlanta. How you doing, Vitaly? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Love your show. Um, I wanted to talk about NGG, but I also wanted to ask um, overall about utilities in the energy sector. Uh, I know you guys have mentioned about uh, that, that those are our good sectors to switch over to during these, um, you know, these. I guess the last month or two, the market hasn't looked too good right. and, you know, possibility of a right. recession, you know, a year or two down the road. So I've been looking down those sectors, and all of the stocks that I'm looking at, they're all, like, up the last couple of months. I'm wondering, is it already kind of, are we late to the game if we're looking into it, or is, this, is there still a lot of upside in the utilities and the energy sector? Now, I'll say this. There's usually not a lot of upside in utilities, uh, Vitaly. 
this one you're looking at, National Grid, NGG, we happen to own that in some of our managed accounts. As I mentioned on the air, we own several of them, and this is one of them. Uh, you really have to focus on the defensive aspect. It pays a 5.8% dividend, and that's probably pretty solid. Uh, we liked it much better in the low 50s, but it's still in the low 50s at 5370. Notice it stopped around 4950 or so, $49.50. Stopped falling, and it's been down there, was there in February, and then came back and retested here in late September, early October. Then it rallied up all month October while the rest of the market fell, and now starting to chop sideways for this in the month of November. So it's just about almost right where it started for the month. But think about the rest of the market, Vitaly. The rest of the market is not doing very well. So are you too late? I don't think this thing is going to go much higher than the upper 50s. You know, and that's about it. Low 50s, upper 50s, and not much more excitement. Now, has it gone higher than that in the past? Yeah. It's gotten into the 70s. Last year was in, in 2017. It got as high as 75. Got as high as 75 in 2016, 72 in 2015. So it can go higher. But I think this is a really good defensive strategy and with the possibility of some capital appreciation. But Vitaly, Vitaly is never going to go really high, high. You know, it's not. It's not going to double or triple on you. That's not going to happen. Okay? It, yeah, but it is a good defensive position. Okay? Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. for the call. NGG. NGG, National Grid, it's, it's a utility, transmission, distribution, distri distribution of electricity. It's a British company, by the way, British. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4270. Today's main talking point, risk tolerance and risk capacity are not the same thing. Risk tolerance and risk capacity. Now, this could be a problem for investors, you know, because you got to first know the difference. Gonna, we've got a bunch of other stuff. Talk about I want to talk about GM. I want to talk about a new email scam for businesses. Uh, I want to talk about the federal feds changing their, moderately changing what they're saying. I want to discuss that. Are you listening to Invest Talk, everybody? I'm Steve Peasley, and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance as a first step in building a more profitable investment strategy. And you can do that. You can calibrate your personal risk tolerance. And it's free. It's an online tool at investtalk.com called Risk Alive. It's just a simple, short questionnaire. So please go take it. Now I'm ready for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Here's a reminder about the KPP Premium Newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox every Friday. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was, offers a look ahead, and even puts forth some interesting stock ideas. And you can subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Jim in Indiana. And Jim, you want to know when's a good time to buy stocks? Yeah, so I, I've been listening to Justin over the past few weeks talk about uh, stocks like AMD, uh, Intel, Broadcom as examples, chip stocks that have gotten beat up for 
a lot of because of a lot of different market forces. Um, you know, at right. some point, those are going those are not going out of business. They're going to turn around. What do yep. I need to be looking for, particularly with those types of stocks that are subjected to market forces? How do what am I looking for? Okay. Okay, uh, you're really what you're looking for, those are all considered growth stocks. Growth stocks work the, work the best coming out of a recession. So if you're asking just over a long period of time, when's the best time to be in those kinds of stocks? Is coming out of a recession. Okay, well, we're not in a recession. So you wanna, you know, you're looking for a, 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 a pullback right now. Maybe we might go into a bear market, but I think, I always, I'm, I've been saying I feel it's too early for a bear market. So if you're looking at those kinds of stocks, the best thing to use is a chart to decide when to get in and out. For instance, you mentioned AMD, and I just pulled up a chart on AMD, and it fell from $32 down to $17.69, and it did that all in October. In November, it's now at $21.05. It trades kind of going sideways with an upward bet. What was interesting is it fell right to the 200-day moving average, which is long-term support. So, if you wanted to be an AMD, this would probably be the place where you start to pick it up, but using that 200-day moving average is a get-out point, Jim, simply because, you know, we don't know if the correction's over, we're, and we're approaching a bear market economic slump next year or the year after, and, you know, that all makes it pretty... Pretty difficult timing, but the best time, right. if you're asking me what the best time, is always in the depths of a recession. That's when you pick up these growth stocks because they'll get crushed. And you'll say, hey, look how cheap that is. It's now $8. I'm going to pick that up. And believe me, it can be that. It can't get that low. It can. But it have to be a recession right. to do that. Okay? Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for the call, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. How are you doing, John? Good. Thanks for taking my call, Steve. Um, You're welcome. So I have some shares of um, Qualcomm, and uh, it's still a few percent above where I bought it. It's come down a lot lately. Um, and I'm thinking of um, buying this closed-end fund. Um, I, let's see. Uh, EXG, uh, Eaton Vance Tax Managed. Global Diversified Equity Income Fund. <laughs> so I'm wondering if uh -huh. you think that would be a good a good change. Oh, you mean get out of Qualcomm and get into a get out into the ETF? Yeah, because uh, I don't have a lot of cash, so I have to sell something to buy something. So I was looking I at see. maybe well, selling Qualcomm. I, I don't know if I'd sell. I don't know if I'd sell Qualcomm now. I mean, it went from $74, $75 all the way down to 54 and it's kind of yeah. moving sideways now. And there's a lot of support at 54 and the stock is going to make $4.77 next year, and the value is okay. going to be pretty low. I, I don't know if I would want to sell Qualcomm. I think it's done most of the damage already unless we're going into recession john then yeah all bets are off and even if you bought the other etf if we're going to recession that'll get crushed too i'm just not so sure that i want you to sell qualcomm at this stage okay. it just looks cheap to me okay um, qualcomm everybody okay, I'll try to so that's what i'll I, find something uh, to sell <laughs> okay 
Yeah. Thanks for the call. I appreciate yeah. it, John. QCOM is Qualcomm, everybody. QCOM. And, you know, it, it's the CDMA and, uh, you know, the, it has a system, does chips. It's the wireless handset modem cards networking kind of company. It's very solid. A $67 billion company. It's not going anywhere. Pays a 4.5% dividend. And it went from $75 to down to 55 So that, what, 30% or so? Man, that's a pretty big hit to, to, to sell at this point. I, I don't know. I think I'd hold on to it. Okay, Trading Guru Bollinger says market has flashed two buy signals. Now, he's... The, he he he's a tech guy tech tech meaning reading charts he technical analysis of what he does and he has a system called Bollinger bands Bollinger bands and the theory is in his Bollinger bands when it when it oscillates okay it's a 20 21 day moving average with a four percent oscillation plus or minus four percent and the stock price when it oscillates in in that area. When it oscillates to the lower end, it's a buy signal. And he's saying the market is at that lower end. He said the second signal is the same thing using volume, using a 20-day moving, 21-day moving average of 4%. Now, my, I, I, it, his Bollinger Bands is a very interesting idea. I just don't know if it's that reliable. But he says there's two buy signals on the market. He sees two buy signals. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to thank you for making this program part of your routine, your daily routine. Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. So please give us a call. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go to research tool? Y charts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. Y charts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use Y charts every day. Y charts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. Y charts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of October and November, and now in the final trading weeks of 2018, there could still be more surprises. 
So to prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design with the right mix of strategic investing programs. And you can quickly see what you may be missing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Appreciate the calls, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on Invest Talk. Okay, main talking point today, risk tolerance versus risk capacity. They're not the same. Risk tolerance, risk capacity. What does that mean? What am I talking about? And it can be a problem for investors who are not paying close attention. So what is the difference? Okay, I'm going to tell you, it's not difficult. Risk tolerance is the amount of risk that an investor, you, is comfortable taking or a degree of uncertainty that an investor is able to handle. In other words, you're willing to handle 20% loss if you have the opportunity of getting a 40% gain. So the risk tolerance is how much how much can your portfolio go down before you get very upset that you can handle? Risk capacity is not like risk tolerance. It's the amount of risk that the investor, you, must take in order to reach your financial goals. In other words, you're saying, hey, I need, I need to, my portfolio needs a, I need a million dollars. So if I'm going to, and I only have 100,000, so I have to take enough risk to get to a million dollars. That's risk capacity. How much risk do you need to take to reach the goal that you set for yourself? And believe me, the risk tolerance or risk capacity can be at odds with each other a lot. People want to make a fortune, right? They want they want to make they want to take a lot of risk capacity to get to that fortune, but they don't want to take a lot of they don't have the risk tolerance to do so. So you have to balance the two. Figure out, well, how much risk are you comfortable with to reach the goal that you want, and is it possible? And I'll tell you this. Most time, it, people have, um, uh, they, they have unrealistic goals because of what they have. I spoke to someone this morning that wants to retire in a few years, but I told them, told the person that they don't have enough assets and it's and they and they they said well how much well why don't i just you know buy more risky stocks because you know they'll double or triple i said well that means you want to increase your risk uh capacity to reach your goals but you're want to retire in a few years which means your risk tolerance should be much lower and therefore, you're going to, what you're going to do is you're going to sell out right when the stock hits the bottom, and you won't sell when it's at the top. You'll, you'll panic out, and you'll lose money because you don't have enough risk tolerance to reach the goal that you've set. So just be aware of those things. You know, risk versus reward. What's your goal? How do you get there logically and realistically? and how much risk you want to take to get there, okay? Now, the great thing about our Anytime Listener line, it never closes. So here's a question that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. 
Hey, Justin or Steve, this is, uh, or Justin and Steve, sorry. Uh, just calling to ask with regards to Lionel Basil, L-Y-B. Just wanted to see if you guys thought this was a good investment. This is one of my favorite stocks. I've invested on this multiple times. I usually buy it around the 80 range and sell it at around 100. It's pretty cyclical. It's at a nice PE at 7.0, earnings per share at a 12.73 on my chart. And the dividend is uh, 4.48. Looks pretty good to me, um, and actually, it doesn't look like a bad core holding. Um, I was wondering if you guys agreed with me. Thank you, and appreciate all you guys do. And yes, I would agree with you as a core holding, Lionel Basil Industry, LYB is the symbol. It's it's out of the Netherlands. It's a Netherlands-based manufacturer of polypropylene compounds, polyethylenes, poly ethylene, ethyl, whatever, those kinds of things, okay? Um, and it's a very solid company. It's a $35 billion. It's a big cap company. It's a low price company. But try to remember, this kind of company will always be low priced on the P.E. ratio because it is very cyclical. Uh, it's a five-year range, for instance, is 7 to 14 P.E., even though it's going almost 20% in sales a quarter for two years. Yet that PE is very low still, because it is a, a a very very cyclical company. So there's your danger. Where are you in the economic cycle? When we say cyclical, everybody, we mean the economic cycle where stocks do poor when the economy falls and they do great when the economy is expanding. Well, why would this stock be falling? Well, because the IMF, International Monetary Funds, downgraded the world growth. There's, Europe has fallen into a recession. Well, at least Germany had its first negative quarter in a while. And it looks like it may be another one coming up. That means Germany, and as Germany goes, so is the rest of Europe. China is slowing down its growth. Uh, they're, they're in a bear market in their, mar in their stock market. Um, there's issues around the world, everybody. So this affects this international company. Yeah, it pays a very nice dividend. I have it at 4.4%. Uh, and my, uh, my earnings next year is estimated to be $11.39, so a little bit less than you mentioned. But it's a $91 stock, so that tells you it's, what, an 8 PE? And the range is 7 to 14, so it's pretty reasonable. If we don't slip into a recession because of the world downgrade, then this stock is probably a good price. My Gut tells me, though, I would probably stay away from it until we actually do fall into a recession. Because then, then it'll be a lot cheaper, and I'd buy it then. Because it's very, very cyclical. I'm staying, I would stay away from cyclical positions. But if you buy this right, you keep it forever, because it is one of those core holding kind of stocks. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour, Pacific time, Monday through Friday. And it's also available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, via archive podcast on investtalk.com. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about us, Invest Talk. And please, let them know. They can listen anytime by clicking the podcast links at investtalk.com. Listen to it anytime you want. The lines are open, everybody. We're taking your financial investing questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. 
where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018, and now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. What's on your mind? What do you guys want to talk about? Uh, there is a new email scam for businesses that's coming out that's getting, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty significant. So I thought I might share it with you. Uh They've gotten, uh, uh, let's see, how much was it? It was in the multi-multi-millions. Uh, and there's a 1,300% increase in this type of, of email scam. What it is, is they find, they, they, they try to find people that are working at big companies. That's the key, big companies. And they get their emails one way or another, as many as they can, from employees at the company. Not high echelon, you know, not the higher uppers or anything like that. They send an email to the employees and a bunch of employees. And they send it as if they were one of the managers or the vice president or <coughs> their division boss. And they'd say in the email, that they have, they want them to pay a particular invoice. They don't want it to get around at this point because you know uh, the CEO wants this quiet to send the, send the, send uh, a payment for an invoice for a product or whatever. And they make it sound really, really good. Okay, it's very convincing because it's from your boss, and they want you to do it ASAP. It's got to be out today. And they happen to head on quite often the people who make those kinds of payments because they don't know. They're not sure who, who, who in the company is the person who makes the payment. But since they're pushing it to get it done right away, uh, and it's done. They even attach a bill of the, for the, some service or product so they can see it and, tell them to, and they tell them where to mail the money. Looks very legit. And everything's done electronically these days, even, you know, bills from emails and things. So you got to be careful of that scam. If you work for a big company, you know, each company should have some kind of verification method before payment goes out. You know, it, I know I have one at my office, so I think it's important. Okay, let's see if we can squeeze in another call. We don't have a lot of time left in the day, but we, we have some time. Here's a call that came in earlier on our end time listener line, 888. 99 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, Matt here, longtime listener. Love the podcast. Thank you, guys. I have a quick question on a stock I've been kind of watching. I believe the ticker is BFAM, Bright Horizons Family. It's uh, a daycare for children and so forth around the nation. And in uh, many ways, just been watching it, and it has been going up in price. Uh, they don't pay a dividend, of course, or anything, but looks to have some sound numbers. And um, considering maybe investing in it after uh, the market settles down and so forth, since 
Uh, we have kids ourselves in this program, so we definitely support it. Um, just wondering what you guys think of the numbers and if it might be a good investment or not. Um, thank you very much for your insight, and uh, love the show. Keep doing it. Thanks. Okay, it's Bright Horizons Families, uh, BFAM as a Mary, headquarters out of Watertown, Massachusetts, provides workplace child care, early education, uh, consulting to over 1,000 clients via 1,038 centers. And uh, it, it might be a great company. It's a $6.8 billion company. It might be a great company to invest in, but not at this price. It's way too expensive. It's $117.90 stock, $117, $118 stock. It's going to make $3.59 next year. It's been growing its sales, 14, uh, its earnings, 14, 15%. And sales have been growing about 9, 10, 11% on a quarterly basis. That's not high enough to support a 39 PE. And the five-year range is 27 to 40. Return equity is very good at 23. But it's just too expensive. It's moved from what, $90 or $85 a year ago to now 117 And we're, you're looking at a late cycle market here. Uh, it did very well in October. I mean, it went down, but not very much. It only went down like 2 or 3%. The market went down over 10%, depending on what sector. And then in November, it's up. So it's up for the month. So it's bucking the trend of... of um, of the market, and it might be because it's not terribly cyclical. Think about it. Daycare centers, you, no matter what happens, you still need them, unless you're laid off, and that's the danger, of course, and then it wouldn't, so it might be, I, I'm not sure because I haven't been involved in these things, how cyclical it is. It, on the surface, to me, it sounds like it might not be cyclical, but then again, if an employment rate goes too high, it will be. I would think uh, with a very low unemployment rate, they would be supportive of this stock. And so we might be at the top. It might be at its top price now. So I wouldn't buy it here. I would not. I'd wait till the, the PE is around 15. Then I'd be buying it. Because it doesn't really deserve much more than a 15 PE. And a 15 PE on $3.59 is like a $60 stock. It's 117 so, no, I would say no. Okay. The Federal Reserve, as you know, is on this bent to raise rates, and you know I rant about it at least once a week. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to rant about them raising rates this time. What I'm going to rant about, about the Federal Reserve, have you been noticing the speeches? Remember, there's, what, nine Federal Reserve presidents in the different nine different di districts of the United States, and they, they, they give speeches. Have you noticed that the, the tenor is changing? Uh, because it always, 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 up until recently, been about the need to normalize interest rates, the federal funds rate. To normalize it. Get it off that zero number that it was a few years ago and get up to about 3%, which is what the normally is. Right? And what are we at? Two, two and a quarter, something like that right now? Now... You're starting, I'm starting to hear words like the, the raising the rates is going to be data dependent. Now, they've never not used data dependent. They've used that term before. But it seems like they're putting more and more emphasis on it. 
I think we're seeing a little bit of change. And finally, we are because we need it. They should stop raising rates. They should have stopped a couple points, a couple quarter points ago, in my opinion. But they have not. And they plan on raising the rates in December. And they plan on raising the rates three more times next year. But now they're saying it's going to be data dependent, meaning the economic data. So if the economic data starts to suffer, <coughs> they won't raise the rates. Okay, can we get to another caller? We had to take a break. I think we had to take a quick break. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. Our Tuesday program will soon come to an end. We have one more 10-minute segment left. And please give me a call. On the next Invest Talk, to prepare for a future of electric and self-driving vehicles, GM will cut 14,000 jobs and close five U.S. factories. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Okay, everybody, I have to apologize. Uh, I'm fighting a cold uh, towards the tail end of the cold, so my voice might sound a little off, and, you know, so I apologize for that. Let's talk to Bill in North Carol- North Northern California. How you doing, Bill? Oh, I'm just fine, Steve. Thank you. hope your cold gets better soon. Um, oh, it's much so better have, than it was uh, yesterday. It's just my throat. It's kind of scratchy. It's that, it's that time of year. Take care of yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Kidney Bowes here, you got that up there? Yes, I got it. And, uh, you like it? You want to buy it, or do you already own it? Well, I, I bought a little in one account, but I have another, you know, another, uh, you know, taxable account, and I was thinking of getting some in there. But the only thing that concerned me about it, I see, is they have a this three point two seven billion of debt. So, yeah, that's that? a big red flag for me on this. For everybody else, Pitney Bowes Inc. And I, I will say this also, Bill. I'm, I'm, what they do makes makes I'm a little bit worried. They manufacture postage meters and mailing equipment, provide mailroom management and financial services. It's a 1.5 billion dollar company, and they have more than that in debt. That's the scary part, Bill. Uh, they are cheap. Yeah. When I say cheap, relative to earnings, they're going to make a dollar twenty-four per share next year. Is the estimate a dollar sixteen this year? Last year they made a dollar twenty-eight. It's an eight-dollar stock, going to make a dollar twenty-four. So that tells you that the PE is more like six, and the five-year range is five to fifteen. Really high return on equity. Well. You know, I'm worried about that. And they have good cash flow, but that debt, why do they have so much debt? That's the scary part. What are they going to do about that debt? The description that I read of their business services, is it looks like a lot uh-huh. of things. So I'm, I haven't researched the history of the company, but it looks like they've maybe expanded and added a lot, a lot, a lot of different services. And maybe they, you know, they had to spend money to get those. Yeah, you know, yeah, just I would like guess they're, they're very diverse. Yeah, remember they that they maybe they're financing their equipment. See that would cause their debt to rise, especially if they're expanding, right? If you think about it, you know right. they're if they're you know they got to borrow money to buy the equipment to lease it to whoever needs it, and if they're doing well, so but that that is my only issue. 
that's really a concern. My second issue, which is not critical, is I'm not keen on the space because do we really need postage meters and mailing equipment like we used to? Because everybody's using everything electronic these days. So is it a growth industry? Are we talking about, and this is a more of a basic thing, Bill, not, 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 not the company itself because it looks pretty yeah. good. But is that industry an uh, industry that has great prospects? Are, are yeah. their prospects looking dim because of the whole technology revolution that we're going through on everything? And that's my second so, concern. So Not as big do, as a concern. Do you, like the, do you like the fundamentals that you think I should just do more research into their actual business model and how that's panning out? Yeah, that debt. That's the key, in my, in my opinion, Bill. You want to really understand that debt. And I have a feeling they might be borrowing money. I can't see why they would buy other people or why they had to go into huge debt. So it might be a financing situation, like a bank where the more debt they have, the more money they can make because they make interest on it. You know what I'm saying? you got to find out about that debt. PBI is a symbol, everybody. Pitney Bowes, Inc. P-B-I. Um, the IMF I mentioned earlier, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, comes out every year and it does estimates of growth of various, many of the economies, the world economies and the various individual countries that make up the world economy. And... I mentioned the size of a uh, relative size of our economy compared to others. We're 21.5 billion and China's 14.2. And those are the big, big economies. The next closest economies are like Japan at 5.2 and, and Germany. What's interesting though is the highest growth prospect of, of a larger economy is India. They're a $3 trillion company and they're going to grow about 7, 7.5%. And their growth is accelerating, not decelerating. I find that interesting. I think that's pretty interesting. India. I see Peasley, and this completes another Investop program, everybody. And I thank you very much for your loyal support and listening. And the questions that you provide, I really do appreciate that. Have a nice evening, everybody. And I'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with a better voice. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.